Ken Finnan at Capital Vending Tutoring. And it's my job to get you past the licensing exam. Well, one thing that I haven't done a lot of the principal exams of the 57, like I was an actual trader. I had the 57. I have, I should have the 57. I have the 24. I had all these licenses, but I was a trader for 20 years. And then I ran a trading firm of almost 350 prop traders. So this trading shit we're going to get into, okay? Between the 24 and the 57, you're going to learn it from a person who's actually done it and supervised it. But I'm going to talk about Reg M right now, okay? So Reg M is all about manipulation. And this could be on the 24 or the 57, both of them, but also could be very briefly mentioned as an overarching thing on the seven. So I'm not going to say it's going to be on there. You don't have to worry about it if you're taking the seven, but if you're taking the 24 or the series 57, which is the equity trader thing, you probably need to know this stuff. So understand that reg M, always think M for manipulation. I always think who knows if that's what they did, but that's what I think. It's the way I remember, reg M for manipulation. This is to prevent manipulation on offerings, not IPOs, because an IPO doesn't actually trade before that other than the gray market, but that's a whole different story. So reg M is preventing manipulation of additional offerings or secondaries. So the second, third, fourth, fifth time it offered or for secondaries, it prevents people involved in the deal, you know, underwriters, issuers, affiliates, agents, all that stuff from buying shares during a certain restricted period, which we'll get to prior to the deal. Because what would happen? Say I'm going to offer the say, I say, oh, I'm going to um, issue the shares on Thursday at the closing price on Thursday. Well, the days before, the underwriters, the issuers, all the agents go, hey, let's push the stock up so we all make more money. That would be great. What's wrong with that? So they would start buying it, and they would push the price up. And so they go, SEC goes, wait, let's not. So in the mid-90s, they put this in. I think it was the 90s. They put Late 90s. They put this in and said, okay, from now on, if you're going to be involved in the deal, you can't be involved in buying shares. You can sell unsolicited works, but you can't buy, bid, purchase, or induce others to purchase if you're involved in the deal. Again, you can't buy, bid, induce, or induce others to purchase, okay? Buy, bid, purchase, or induce others to purchase the shares of the deal or what they call a reference security. So the subject security is the one being offered. A reference security is something that the subject can turn into, like a convertible. So if you're issuing a new convertible, okay, this common stock could be the reference. You can't buy either one of those. Now, there are exceptions that, like, if you issue a regular bond and then you issue another bond, like, a week later, they're considered different. Reg M doesn't apply with certain exceptions. Don't worry about it. So if if anything's different, the maturity date even is different by a day, it's a different issue. But for the most part, they get rid of it. For investment-grade bonds, they'll say, and they're changing the rules, but for the investment-grade bonds, they always say it's not really part of it. So we're really talking about equity for the most part. Because literally bonds don't move, so nobody cares, okay? So let's go back into this. So if you're part of the deal, issuer, underwriter, um, affiliate, agent, whatever it is, it's any kind of dealer involved in this deal of the distribution, you cannot buy, bid, purchase, or induce others to purchase during a certain amount of time. So the amount of days that you have to not do this, not buy, bid, purchase, or induce others to purchase depends on how big the company is, right? So if it's a small one, less than $100,000, remember, $100,000 of average daily trading volume, that's not a lot. I mean, that's really tiny. Or less than, and less than under 25 million in public float, then you have to wait a full five days. So that means to five days before the pricing. So if you do it on Thursday, it's five days before that, okay? So th then you can't buy, bid, purchase, or induce others to purchase. I'm gonna say that a million times because that's literally right again. Now, if it's above that, 
then you have one day, right? So then it's only the day before. So if it's pricing Thursday, it's only Wednesday, you can't do it. So again, if it's a hundred grand, if it's a hundred grand or more all the way up to a million or 25 million float up to 150 million, then it's one day. And then the exception is the active, which means if it's over a million and over a million ADTV and a public float of 150 million or more, then it's a zero day, but they still leave it here because you still can't manipulate it. If you find some way to manipulate it, then you're in trouble under Reg M. Okay. So again, this is the restricted periods. When they say public float, they mean shares owned by non-affiliates, people who are not associated with the firm. So that's the public float, not the insiders. So if you have a company that has like, you know, 200 million, but a hundred million of it is held by insiders, then it's going to be a hundred million. So it'd be the one day. So again, to not, if you're involved in the deal, your restricted period is if it's a small company, very, very small, it's five days. Then it's one day if you're a medium size. And then if you're a bigger company, the active, they call it an exception. It's zero days. Like there's no day restriction. You can buy, you can bid, buy, induce others to bid, do anything you want from day one and on. It doesn't matter because there's no restriction. And again, this is like, these are big companies. I mean, good luck trying to manipulate Microsoft or IBM or Apple or Tesla. You can't do it. Citicorp. I mean, it was trading at one point about 10 years ago. It was a, it was trading over a billion shares a day. There'd be a lot of shares for you to have to push to manipulate it. So again, this is trying to prevent people from involved in the deal, from pushing the stock up by buying it to get a higher price on the deal. Now, remember, that's talking about buying the subject security, the one part of the offering or a reference, which the subject security can turn into. Okay. That's what we're covered. Both of them together are called covered securities. So let's get into 101. Okay. So 101, Reg M 101 is about underwriters or people involved in the deal that are not market makers and not part of the issuer. So a market ma a market maker is not going to be part of this. It's going to be 103. We'll get to it. So an issuer is not part of this either. So the underwriter who is not an issuer or a market maker, 101 applies to them. So they cannot buy, bid, purchase, or induce others to bid the stock. So under Reg 101, some of the exceptions are, so you know they can't buy, bid, purchase, or get others to bid or purchase because they don't want to manipulate. We know that. So there are exceptions. If it's an actively traded, we know there's nothing there. Odd lots, anything under 100 shares. Um, if, if you're exercising an option or a warrant, that's fine. Unsolicited is almost always okay with everything. Unsolicited, Okay. And then basically, if you're doing transactions as part of a basket, okay? So the whole point is that if you're doing a basket of securities, like it's a program, as long as it's not more than 5%, you're okay. I think that's a little too deep for this. But again, the big ones are, if it's odd lots or unsolicited or exercise of options or warrants, those are exceptions that you might see that, oh, can they do that? Yes, under those circumstances. So that's 101. So 101 is, again, for underwriters who are not part of the deal. 102 is for issuers and selling shareholders. Now, I'm going to say a name and stuff that isn't really applicable because it's inactive, but like Microsoft. Microsoft selling shares, Bill Gates will be a selling shareholder, right? So if they did a secondary or even a combined or a split offering where they're both the company and the, and the selling shareholder doing it, they can't buy, bid, or purchase. Now, again, with Microsoft, they can because it's fucking active. But if it was a smaller company, which you would never heard of, then if it's a company issuing shares and then any of the partners, officers, directors selling their shares too, they are prohibited from buying, bidding, purchasing, or inducing others to bid. So again, 102 is to prevent from issuers and selling shareholders from buying, bidding, purchasing, or inducing others to bid during that restricted period. A lot of the 
exceptions that were for 101 are not available for 102. Unsolicited is not a thing. Actively traded is not a thing. Um, and de minimis is not. Nor are the basket securities. Those are not exceptions for them. So 102 literally cannot buy, bid, or purchase and induce others to bid or purchase. I keep saying that. I wonder why. To make sure it's stuck in your head during that restriction period. They don't really have a lot of exceptions. Okay. So here's the most misunderstood one. 103 is for underwriters who are market makers, right? Because think about this. So if you're a market maker, you have to be bidding and offering. We'll do videos on that. You have to be bidding and offering all day long from 930 to 4. That's your job, okay? But if you're part of an underwriting, all of a sudden, wait, Reg M says you can't, so then you can't do your job. So you're going to just sit and twiddle your thumbs all day long? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, act like Jeffrey Tubin. I, don't, I have no idea. So now, um, <clears throat> hope you caught that. So they allow for what they call passive market making. So you're like a market maker. You're not really pushing the stock. Selling, nobody cares because push it down. That hurts you. So it's preventing you from manipulating the market by limiting how much you can buy and what you can buy. So here are the rules for passive market making under 103. And again, it's letting you be a market maker even during their restricted period. So here's what they do. They limit your net purchases on the debt each day. So they're going to say, you can buy up to 30% of your average daily trading volume. Usually average daily trading volume is like the past two months or 60 days previous, whatever it is, they're not testable. But they're going to limit how much you can buy during the day. And they're going to limit it to 30% of your average daily trading volume. If you're a market maker and you do 100,000 shares a day, then you can normally you can only do 30,000 now, but never less than 200, which is like what? Okay. 200 seems to be like two times the minimum bid size. So they're saying, even if you only sold, if you only net average day traded 300 shares a day, you could do at least 200, okay? So it's never less than two, but it's a max of 30% of your average daily trading volume on any given day. And if you go over that, you just do what they call an excuse withdrawal. You step away, you say, listen, I have a reason for not making a market for the rest of the day. And that's okay because there's, the SEC goes, yeah, well, they, they, we have to limit them. So that's what they call an excuse withdrawal. We'll get to that two more when we get into more market making. Now remember, it's net purchases, not just trading. It's net purchases. So usually that means if you're buying, that means your customer is selling. But I want to add this feature into it. So now let's say your limit's 30 grand. Boom. Your limit is 30 grand and you're at like 29.5, okay? You're at 29.5. You can only buy another 500 shares. Now remember something. They do add this, that if you go over the limit, and then you get back, say you go over your 29.5 and you buy a thousand shares. If you go over that and then you get back under it within 30 seconds, I think the number, you can stay, okay? You don't have to pull your quotes. As long as you're under your number, you're fine. But here's what happens. Wait, you say, wait a second, how could you buy more? So this is the example. So if you're at 29.5 and a seller for a thousand shares comes in, well, you can buy the entire thousand that would put you over the limit, right? That will put you at 30,500, which would violate the limit, but they allow it on a single purchase. So you can't do it. You can't aggregate a bunch and go over. If you have a bunch of orders that come in, you can only take one that if it's going to put you over the limit, you can only execute one of them. And then you pretty much have to pull your quotes and do an excuse withdrawal for the rest of the day. Unless, of course, you get back under during a bona fide market making activity. Again, I doubt that's testable, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But again, if you're a market maker and you're right almost at your limit and a sell order comes in and you get to buy that, if it puts you over the limit, that's fine. If it's a one-time thing, one single order, and then you pull your quotes. They also limit what price you can do. They're saying passive, so you can't be leading the pack, right? So you can't sit there and bid higher than everyone else. 
You can only bid where other independent market makers, other independent market, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. you can only bid where other independent market makers are bidding. So, if, you know, say the market is 42 by 45, okay? 42 bid by 45 offer. You can bid 42 because there's other market makers there. As long as they're not members, they're not also passive market makers. So if they're part of your syndicate and they're bidding 40, well, then you can't do it. So if there's no independent market makers, you can't make a bid. There has to be at least one independent market maker buying at that price. So if you see them bid 40, you can bid 40. Here's the thing. Unlike stabilizing where you can stay, if they drop their bid to 39.98, you're allowed to buy what they call two times the trading limit, the minimum bid size. It's really 200 shares. You can buy 200 shares at that price and then you have to drop. So let me say that again. If I'm if an independent bidder, independent market maker is bidding 40, I as a passive market maker, the PSMM, have to bid. I can, I don't have to do anything, but I can bid 40 also. And that's good. I'd be with them for as much as I want. If they drop, if they drop their bid and there's no more independent market makers at that bid, I can buy 200 shares and then I have to drop to the next whatever the best independent bid is. I have to do that. Those are the rules. So I'm maxed, I maxed out at 30% of my my ADTV. And then I can't bid higher than anyone else. If they drop, I have to drop also. I don't get to stay there because I was there first. It does, you have to drop. Now remember, all of this comes goes out the window with an unsolicited, right? So if you're a market maker and you receive a customer limit order, you have to display it. You absolutely have to display a limit order. So that's so if there so the independent market maker is bidding 40 and you're bidding 40 and you got a limit order to buy at 4010, you got to show it. You have to do it because you're not doing it. Not, you didn't induce it. Has to be unsolicited, and you have to show a customer limit order. You have to display it. Those are rules that apply. Also, for the 24 more than this, if you're going to be a passive market maker, you have to notify NASDAQ at least one business day before you do it. You have to do that. You have to let them know you're there. Pretty much anytime you do any kind of bid like that, you have to let NASDAQ know that there's something going on. So again, you can bid over the independent market, the independent bid only if it's a customer limit order and it's got to be unsolicited. You can't have said, hey, John, go bid 41 for me. You can't do that. Has to be unsolicited. Let me add one more thing into this. Passive market making really only can be done during a firm commitment offering. So a firm commitment offering is when the underwriter is guaranteeing the sale of the issue. That's the only time. You can't do it during an at-the-market offering because that's weird. Because an at-the-market offering is where we sell it during the day at the prices and you bidding would kind of hold it up. And that'd be more manipulation. That is not okay. Okay, now onto 104, baby. 104, stabilizing bid. So stabilizing bids are literally legal manipulation, okay? So you're, you're the underwriter and it can only be one person doing it at a time. Only one bid, only one underwriter can be doing this. What you're doing is you're holding the price. So let's say we bring the shares out at 20. You're allowed to buy it at 20 or lower, as long as there's another bidder there first. Remember, you can't start a stabilizing bid unless there's actually another bid already there. So you're stabilizing, you're holding the price there. You can buy as many shares as you want, but you have to notify NASDAQ the day before. You have to make sure that everyone knows it there. There could be penalty bids, which I think we can talk about another time, or I'll do it today, I'm not sure. So stabilizing bid is where you're bidding at a price to keep the price from dropping, at least for a while. They allow this, but they have rules on that. You can only bid where other people are bidding. Again, stabilizing not during at the market where they're selling it all during the day, because that would be unfair, it'd be pure manipulation. You can bid at the highest bid or the last sale, okay? So that's the big thing. You can bid at the last sale or the highest bid, whichever is higher. 
that's different than the other one where you can only bid where the other people are bidding. So stabilizing allows you to bid the higher of the last sale, last transaction price, or the highest ind independent bid. One thing I'm going to add, it can never be higher than the offering price. You cannot go higher than the offering price ever. And you can't push it up. You can't bid and then bid higher than that. So basically, if the stock, if the bid is 40 and it's trading at 4001, you can bid 4001. If it's trading at 42, you can bid 42. But if the if the offering price is at 4050, 4050 is as high as you're allowed to do. You cannot go higher than that. And there's no limit on how many shares you can buy, but you can't bid higher than the last independent bid or the last sale, whichever is higher. The syndicate bid or the stabilizing bid has to be announced that it's a stabilizing bid and you're buying stuff. Now let's talk about the penalty bid for a little bit. That's really, people don't understand it. So a penalty bid is when, what's the best way to do it? When I'm selling, I'm the lead underwriter, I'm distributing it. And you guys say you guys are Morgan Stanley or whatever firm you are, and you're selling to people who flip, okay? Flipping is when they get into it and then they sell it right away. Like back in the early 90s, we wanted the Yahoo deal or all these other deals. I was at the hedge fund. People would come in and say, hey, can you buy some of these offerings? We knew they were dog shit deals, but we knew that they were getting these better deals later and we wanted to be on, on the on the goods with them, right? So what would happen, good, whatever you want to call it, not on the outs, they like us, okay? So we would take their shit deals, knowing that we're just trying to get out quick and we'd sell it right on the opening or really close because we want to lose as little money as possible because they're bad deals, okay? But the more we buy of their bad deals makes him look better, and um, then he would give us a better allocation on the good deal, like the Visa, the Yahoo, Tesla, all that shit. So now, the problem is, here's what they do. I'm the lead underwriter now. I'm buying these shares, stabilizing. I notice that all of the shares I'm buying are literally from your customers. So wait a second. That's not okay. That's too much. So it's, I'm going to set up a penalty bid. And what happens is I say every share that comes from your customers, I'm going to take it out of your profit. Because remember... You bought shares. When you do an offering, you're going to buy shares at like 19 from the from the issuer or from the lead underwriter and sell them at 20 and you'll make a dollar. So what happens is I start using your money to buy these shares. So it comes out of your profits. So that's a penalty bid is to prevent the syndicate members from selling to just flippers, people who just sell on the opening. We're trying to get people to invest. So we want you to only sell to investors so they hold it forever and they don't sell back to me and I lose money. That's literally why I don't want that happening, okay? So again, the stabilizing bid is there to hold the stock at a price to prevent it from dropping, legal manipulation. The penalty bid is side by side, but that has to be announced, has to be known, have to notify everyone ahead of time that I'm actually punishing one of the under underwriters by taking profits out of their pockets. So I go, every share that I buy, I'm taking it out of your profits from when you did the deal. That would normally stop you from doing stuff like that. The last one is important because the SEC has been really coming down. I was at a firm. We, we we got swept up. One of my guys got nailed for this. It was so stupid. We paid like a $20,000 fine. Everyone paid like five, $600,000 million dollar fine. So I guess we did better. I don't know. I had 400 traders. Somebody was going to do some shit. So here's what happens. When they announce a secondary, saying they announce a secondary that's going to be priced on Thursday, the price will drop. It just does because it's diluting the shares and everyone does this. As soon as they see it's going down, they start shorting the shares. Because they, they know it's going to drop, so they make money. So you can short it anytime. You, you can do whatever you want. You can sell it short, but then you can't short it and get shares on the allocation. So you can't short it on Monday and then get expect to get shares on Thursday through the allocation from the underwriter. So if you want to short shares and buy them on your own, don't care. But if you sell them short, because that's manipulating down, 
They don't want you pushing it down and then getting shares. There's a way that works. Let's say the stock's trading at 20 and you start shorting it 19, 18, 17, 15, 14, really down. Your average short is like 18. And then because the stock's trading at 14, we're going to go public at 14. You could buy the shares at 14 when you short it at 18 and make $4 literally just for being an asshole. So they prevent that. They say, if you're going to short shares, if you shorted shares beyond more than five days before the offering, then you can buy shares. So this is the one, you know how we did the zero one in five days? Well, on this, it's always five days. So five days before the offering, you cannot sell the share short and get the shares in the deal. That is just a deal breaker, okay? That's a violation. That's a Reg M 105 violation. And the SEC was really cracking down on it. There is an exception. There's a way out of this. If you short the shares on Monday and the offering's on Thursday, you're within the five days, you can't get shares. Unless you buy it back the day before the pricing. So if the pricing Thursday, if you buy it back Wednesday, then you can get shares. So if you cover your short and you're 100% flat, not not you're not short a single share, then you can get shares on the offering. So my guy, idiot, he did whatever happened. He shorted the shares on like 200 shares on Monday morning, on Monday morning. And then at noon, they called him and said, hey, we're doing an offering this afternoon. You want some? And he forgot that he shorted and bought it back. He goes, sure, I'll get a thousand shares. Bang, nailed it because he was short within the five days prior to the pricing. So he got in jail. We, we caught it. Literally, we caught it. We fired him the next day. And still two months later, we had to pay a fine. Just the way it is. You're, what it is. You're supposed to stop it. No way to stop it because the guy's an idiot. But again, so you cannot short the shares uh, within the five-day period before the offering and actually get the shares in the offering. If you want to buy in the market, totally cool. That's Reg M. For the Series 24 and the Series 57 and high level for the 7, most likely not in there. They may just mention it in passing. So that's, hopefully that should help. Usually you won't have to go deeper than that, but I hope I helped a little bit. Let me know if I did. And don't forget to check me out every Tuesday and Thursday night, 8.30 p.m. on YouTube. Have a great night. I will talk to you later.